0: This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 21st Sunday of the year, the 26th of August. I'm concluding my reflections this week on the parts of the Mass as we conclude also the reading from Chapter 6 of St. John's Gospel, Jesus, the Bread of Life. After the Eucharistic prayer, in which we've humbled ourselves before God and worshipped him, we will stand and pray in his presence, the prayer Jesus himself has taught us. We can address God with the intimacy of a father because we are baptised and that gives us the right and privilege of being his sons and daughters. The Our Father is prayed at Mass for many reasons, but one reason is because we ask God to give us this day our daily bread, which comes from a Greek word that's found nowhere else in the Scriptures. That word is super substantial. Give us this day our super substantial bread. Every time we pray the Our Father, we are praying that God will give us the Eucharist in the early church the sign of peace was called the kiss of peace and it can be precisely that at mass if you know the person well enough or it can be the more restrained anglo-saxon handshake or bow to the person beside us but the meaning behind it is always the same which is a desire for reconciliation Jesus tells us in the Gospels that we cannot present ourselves and our offerings at the altar unless we've made peace with our brothers and sisters. A lot of the time the people we hurt are the people who have hurt us and this is an opportunity to make peace and also reconciliation and forgiveness. We may have even rowed on the way to Mass. So we remember at this point that before the time of communion we reconcile ourselves. Remember that before, in the early church, whole congregations were martyred and they were told before they entered the arena to exchange a sign of peace with each other. And every Sunday that sign is given so that we can become ever more authentically the family of God that he made us to be. As we finish the sign of peace, the priest begins what is called the fractioning of the host. He places a small piece of the large host in the precious blood in the main chalice when he does this he prays silently that this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ will bring eternal life to us who receive it he does this for two main reasons one is historical in the early church when the bishop celebrated mass at that moment he would take a piece of his host and place it in the chalice but another piece will be wrapped in a vessel and given to a deacon who would run with that host concealed in his cloak To another mass being celebrated somewhere else in the city he would present this piece of the host to the priest celebrating mass who would carefully take a piece and place it in his chalice this was a sign of unity with the bishop and with the universal church the second reason is theological it's the significance of reuniting the body and blood of christ in every host there is the full jesus in every drop of the precious blood there is the full jesus But this is the sign of the uniting of the body and blood of Jesus, reminding us to be whole as one. While the priest is doing the fractioning of the host, we are saying or singing the Lamb of God. The Lamb was absolutely central to the Passover meal, which had been slaughtered and was then eaten. The blood of the Lamb would mark the doors of their homes so that the destroying angel would pass over and leave them in safety and peace. So we now pray that the Lamb of God will take away our sins in the same way. But now it's the true blood of Christ, our Saviour, who will do this. As the priest elevates the host, inviting us to the supper of the Lamb, our response comes from those moving words of the centurion, who had a sick person in his house. And he says to Jesus, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. We know that we are not worthy to receive Jesus, but at the same time we know that he wants to come to us. Now we come to the moment of Holy Communion. As we approach the altar, the Church directs us to make an act of reverence and adoration following the advice of St Augustine who said, adore first what you are about to receive. This can be a profound bow or genuflection whilst the person before us is receiving. We can receive our Lord in one of two ways, But whichever way we choose, the posture is that of reverence and receiving humbly. We're not taking, we're not reaching, we are simply being open. As the priest or minister says, the body of Christ, our response is the Amen, which doesn't mean thank you, but rather something along the lines of, so be it, I believe in it, I stake my life on this. It's also an ascent of faith. In the whole body of church teaching which is why only those who have been initiated into full communion with the Catholic Church may receive now I don't have to be perfect to receive Holy Communion none of us are but I do need to be in a state of grace what that means is if I'm conscious of serious or mortal sin then I have to go to confession before I receive Holy Communion nonetheless we all approach God in our humility and brokenness. After we receive Holy Communion, we typically go back to our places, and that's when we make our act of thanksgiving. A lot of times it may be that we don't know what to say or how to pray in that time of thanksgiving, which is a very, very important time. But remember, after receiving Holy Communion, we are in a very similar position as Mary when she received Christ in her womb. You are now a living tabernacle, you are now in the place of Mary, carrying Christ to the world. So we could even sing the song of Mary when she said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. If you ever wonder how to pray at this moment or how to give God praise after He has given himself to you, then simply use those prayers of Mary and in that time be able to unite yourself, your soul and your mind, to the first person who ever received the body of Christ in her body. While you're making your act of thanksgiving at the altar, the priest is purifying the vessels. Now, this is much more than just doing the dishes or cleaning up. This is really a sacred moment. We believe that in the smallest fragment of the host, and in the smallest drop of the precious blood, there is the full Jesus. That's why we take so much care to ensure that we purify the vessels often think about that scene in the film, The Passion of the Christ, where after Jesus was scourged and carried away, Mary his mother and Mary of Magdalene went into the courtyard and with white cloths tried to collect every drop of his precious blood. That's what's happening when the priest purifies the vessels, knowing that even one drop of the precious blood is enough to save the world. In this way, we treat Jesus with as much care as they did. After the final prayer, we receive the final blessing and dismissal. The priest, for the final time, says, The Lord be with you. You're now living tabernacles and you're carrying God in yourselves and so you're being sent out into the world. We're not called to be Christians inside the church. We're called to be Christians outside of these walls, out there in the world. So we need to be strong so as to be of service as prophets, priests and kings living as God's faithful people, because it's dangerous out there, and we need the Lord to be with us. So I hope it's obvious that there's much more going on at Mass than meets the eye. Everything has a symbolic meaning, and all of the symbolism helps us to enter into Mass in a way that changes our experience of it. My invitation to you is never to go to Mass again and just stay on the surface, but go to Mass and be immersed deeply, and be able to recognise that the Mass is not something I just squeeze in at the end of my week, but it's the reality that fills me with God, and then launches me out into the week, so that I can bring Christ, with his transforming life, into the world, so that we can transform the lives of others. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.